0: He's already been defeated, hasn't he? We welcome all you guys that are joining us from around the globe live. We welcome you wherever you're watching. And uh, those of you that'll get this podcast, all of those that are in the building tonight, uh, we're going to get back into the book of Job. We're going to pick up in chapter 24, uh, learn some more stuff, see some more reality from what he has to teach us. So let's pray and we'll get in the scripture. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and mercy. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your long-suffering. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your sacrifice. I could go on and on. Thank you for all the things we tend to forget about, the food you provide for us, the shelter, the air we breathe, the clothes on our back, transportation, all the things you've provided for us, Lord. We didn't make any of that. You made everything and... We, uh, we celebrate your love toward us tonight, and we thank you, Lord, for your word, and may we be more like you when we leave, in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody said amen. So let's, uh, in the book of Job, we've been seeing this conversation going on between him and his uh, friends, <laughs> or what used to be his friends, I guess, and uh, everybody's kind of in the dark. And Job's in the dark. He don't really understand why he's in this position. His friends can't believe a guy that's been as good as he has would be going through all this. So now they're starting to doubt that he was the man that they thought he was. And they're kind of hurling that at him. And uh, that's being misunderstood, right? Or not having any understanding. And think about... If you were in the earth when Jesus was walking and you saw him without any knowledge of the scripture, how would you have thought about that? So, you know, before we really get hard on the people we read about, these Pharisees and Sadducees, and at some point they should have seen, but, uh, it wouldn't have been as easy probably as we, uh, think, uh, shared this before but here's a good place to remind you of this about three years ago now two to three years ago I had a meeting with a Jewish couple of Jewish men in Cincinnati and uh, I was talking we were talking about you know Israel and all that stuff and uh, he he knew I was a believer in Christ that Jesus was the Messiah and uh, of course they didn't believe that uh, but he, uh, he, when we we're having a discussion, he said, don't you, you you got to understand that we were told all our lives that what Moses wrote was the Lord's way. And Moses heard from God. And I he said, and then another guy comes on the scene. I think's how he put it. And he says, you have heard it said, but I say unto you, he said, can't you understand why that's hard for us to break through? Because we were trained our whole lives that moses heard from god and he gave us the ways of god now what he's missing you and i know because our eyes have been open is he's missing that what moses was trying to show them was jesus (laughs) that's what he's missing and uh, so you you understand if you're if you're just looking at things from a natural perspective and you don't see the plan of god what a difficult! So all these guys are looking at situations. Now, you and I have had our eyes open. We believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But there's other things we have to be careful in. Into looking at situations and trying to figure them out. If you don't have enough information, right? Or you don't, you've not been given revelation by the Holy Spirit. Or have enough information. And I think one of the other examples I used during our study here was the guy who got on the subway and is, uh, he sat down beside another guy whose two boys were going wild and messing with everybody on the subway car, just running all over the place. And finally, the guy's had enough. And he says to the guy, true story. He says to the guy, uh, you, can't you do something with your children? They're just causing havoc on this car, this subway car. And the guy kind of comes to himself startled and says oh I guess I should he said but we just left the hospital where their mother died and I really don't know what to do so that's why we got to be careful about judging a situation so Job's friends have fell into that and I guess a little bit of what they're feeling because they're not really bad guys is that they can't, their theology and, and what they're seeing is not lining up. And, and so they're just trying to help Job and say, man, come on out with it. <laughs> Tell us you really wasn't the guy we thought you were and let's get this over with. And he's saying, I don't know what's wrong. You know, I've been the same guy I've always been. And so that's kind of this whole scenario that's been set up for us. In chapter 24, Job's talking again, says, Since times are not hidden from the Almighty, why do those who know him see not his days? Some remove landmarks, they seize flocks violently and feed on them. Now, Job's frustrated with the violence in the earth. So am I. I feel it. You're going to feel that in this chapter. I'm frustrated with two. Something made me mad today. I'm just going to tell you, it made me mad. Uh, I wanted to get somebody in a headlock. But I heard them say on the news, on the radio, in my truck, they said, Target is going to shut down nine stores. And they listed the cities because of, they call it shrinkage. I call it stealing. That's what the Bible calls it. And... uh, so they went through the scenario talking about them, shut down, and then they said, "Well, whose fault is it?" And you know the first words out of their mouth was, "The police." Yes. I said, "It's the police fault, because somebody wants to take somebody else's property that don't belong to them. I call that stealing. That's what the Bible calls it. It calls it stealing." And see, we we got a culture now that is cut loose. And we've got stealing and murders and rapes and drugs. I mean, our, our culture has cut loose. And, and it's frustrating from a lot of different perspectives. But what you, that, whoever's stealing, that's a heart problem. It's not the police's fault because somebody's got a heart problem that they are okay with stealing or taking somebody else's stuff that don't belong to them. And see, you're never, we've gotten so far away, we're never going to, you and I will, but we're not going to identify the real problem, which is sin. And sin has brought us to the place we are here in our own country and all over the world for that matter. So Job's upset with what's going on and he says they seize flocks violently and feed on them. That's the same thing we're seeing in our own country here. They drive away the donkey of the fatherless. They take the widow's ox as a pledge. They take advantage of... Of those who are miss, uh, less fortunate than them, we've all seen some <laughs> colleagues even experience dead bodies laying in the street. People walk right over them. Uh, They push the needy off the road. All the poor of the land are forced to hide. Indeed, like wild donkeys in the desert, they go out to their work, searching for food. The wilderness yields food for them and for their children. They gather fodder in the field and glean in the vineyard of the wicked. They spend the night naked without clothing and have no covering in the cold. Now, he's upset with how the wicked treat others. They are wet with the showers of the mountains. They huddle around the rock of the want of shelter. Some snatch the fatherless from the breasts and take a pledge from the poor. They're just, this is a culture that knows no boundaries, that just feeds its own lust. And that's where the world has come to, and that's where this country's at. Don't mean you and I have to live there. They cause the poor to go, to go naked without clothing. They take away the sheaves from the hungry. They press out oil within their walls and they tread wine presses yet suffer thirst. The dying groan in the city and the souls of the wounded cry out yet God does not charge them with wrong. There are those who rebel against the light. They do not know its ways nor abide in its paths. The murderer rises with the light. He kills the poor and needy. And in the night he is like a thief. The eye of the adulterer waits for the twilight saying no one will see me. And he disguises his face. In the dark they break into houses which they mark for day- themselves in daytime. They do not know the light. Now there are certain places now, even where I'm from, they watch for the new people to come to town because they know they're vulnerable. The wicked, there's wicked everywhere. There's wicked in the country, and there's wicked in the city. Now, you may have bigger deposits of it in, in areas where there's more people, but there's wicked people everywhere. We had four shootings in Lexington this weekend. Four in Lexington. Uh, we, wickedness... Because, and this keeps ringing in my ears. And I was reading it again yesterday. Jesus said, and not only Jesus, but other, other authors in the scripture said, In the last days, lawlessness will abound. Lawlessness. Nobody will regard the ways of God or the laws of the Lamb. And that's where we've come to in our culture and, and Job is frustrated. He's seeing all this. He said, they mark them in themselves in the daytime. They do not know the light. For the morning is the same to them as the shadow of death. If someone recognizes them, they are in the terrors of the shadow of death. They don't want to be recognized. We got parts of our culture like that now. They would be swift on the face of the waters. Their portion should be cursed in the earth so that no one would turn into the way of the vineyards. Of their vineyards. And as drought and heat consume the snow waters, so the grave consumes those who have sinned. The womb should forget him, the worm should feed sweetly on him. He should be remembered no more, and wickedness should be broken like a tree. And it will someday. Someday soon, I believe. For he prays on the barren who do not bear and does, no, and does no good for the widow. But God draws the mighty away with his power. He rises up, but no man is sure of life. He gives them security and they rely on it. Yet his eyes are on their ways. They are exalted for a little while, then they are gone they are brought low. They are taken out of the way like all others. They dry out like the heads of grain. Now if it is not so, or who will prove me a liar and make my speech worth nothing? So his first half is the plight of how bad evil is. His second part here, he's going into a discourse that God is really over all of this. And then Bildad comes back to the podium. The Shuhat answered and said, Dominion and fear belong to him. Speaking of God, he makes peace in his high places. Is there any number to his armies? Upon whom does his light not rise? How then can man be righteous before God? Or how can he be pure who is born of a woman? If even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight, how much less man who is a maggot? and the son of man who is a worm. So our stature compared to God's is nothing. He is almighty. We are totally dependent on him. And our righteousness, Paul said in the New Testament, is like filthy rags. When we try to please God in our own ways, in our own strength, and we don't lean on the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God's word, we're not doing any good. And so these guys, all of them regard God. They all believe God is the final authority. They all have a lot of knowledge about things. And a lot of what they've all said is true, right? But the problem is Job is not the guy that it's true about. He's in a total different situation. Now, watch watch what's happened. Watch what unfolds here in the next chapter. I think it'll be encouraging to you. Job comes back to the podium. I guess he didn't let this guy stay up too long. (laughs) He comes right back six verses later. He says, but Job answered and said, how have you helped him who is without power? How have you saved the arm that has no strength? How have you counseled one who has no wisdom? And how have you declared sound advice to many? To whom have you uttered words and whose spirit came from you? Now, Job's pushing back now. You know, he's trying to say, you guys aren't really getting much done here. The dead tremble, those under the waters and those inhabiting them. Sheol, or the grave, is naked before him, and destruction has no covering. All this is New Testament theology. So these people in the Old Testament are not dummies. They're not ignorant. They don't run around in a bearskin. skin. And a club and grunt. (laughs) Uh, He stretches out the north. Now listen to what science and everything he's going to explain to us. Think about this in the context of when Job was alive. Probably a contemporary sometime around Abraham. Think about what he understands. He says the grave is naked before him. In other words, God sees it all. And destruction has no covering. He's in charge. He sees everything. He stretches out the north over empty space. Think about that. It's a good way to describe that, isn't it? He stretches out the north over the empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. He had some understanding. We thought we discovered all that. Hey, buddy, Job, you don't have a cell phone do you think you are <laughs> well that's how we feel I think a lot of people look back on these kind of people and think well they must, they probably didn't know very much you know build a fire and heat food listen to what he's saying he says he hangs the earth on nothing he knew the earth was spinning out there in the atmosphere but we act like that stuff didn't get discovered till later on he says he hangs the earth on nothing. He binds up. Listen what he says about this. I love this stuff. He binds up the water in his, in his that's capitalized. Whose clouds are they? God. They're God's. He binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. What? That's powerful understanding for a guy who didn't even have a middle school to attend. See, I, I, it frustrates me that we look back with disdain like those. those I, I, I'm going to tell you right now. Everybody says what the preacher thinks. I think Adam was the smartest guy that ever walked the earth. Amen. I, he, I think his brain probably operated at full capacity until sin entered the race. And that's messed up everything. Sin has messed up everything. But Adam was probably one smart dude to name all the animals, to do all that he was doing. And he, he, he was super intelligent. He was communing with God. And God wasn't up there saying, Adam, I love you. Here's my plan for you. And Adam down there saying, hoo, 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 What? Yeah. Adam was an intelligent design. Now think about this. Made in the image of God. And his likeness. Now, what happened was when Adam fell, when Adam and Eve fell, they lost the likeness, so to speak, right? Now they've uncovered wickedness. Evil is known to them. They, that, and that's what we lost. We, we lost, we are still the highest order of creation, but we lost that likeness, right? We have that image or that stature. But the likeness, so now what God has planned, He's offered us His Son, the Holy Spirit, and His Word to bring us a new life so that we can be conformed into the image of His Son. So that's how we regain the likeness of God, is through His Son. We come back to that through Him. But Adam was probably the most intelligent man that ever walked the earth, with the exception of Jesus Christ, of course. Had all this knowledge, had no... Back, had no background, no posterity, no mother and father, nothing to be corrupted about. He was just straight out from God, made of God. And so he says, what about that? How much water can get in the clouds and the clouds are just hanging there, right? They don't destroy them. He says, he covers the face of his throne and spreads his cloud over it. He drew, listen to this, this is beautiful stuff. He, this is the understanding they have. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters. You see how the earth is? At the boundary of the light and darkness. This is some powerful understanding. The pillars of heaven tremble and are astonished at his rebuke. He stirs up the sea with his power. And by his understanding... He breaks up the storm. What a prophetic thing to say. Because Jesus did that very thing, didn't he? By his spirit, he adorned the heavens. His hand pierced the fleeing serpent. Indeed, these are the mere edges of his ways. This is what little bit we can understand. These are the edges of his ways. And how small a whisper we hear of him. But the thunder of his power, who can understand? Well, I think Solomon said, some things are too high for us to attain. We couldn't understand it all. And God, was it Paul said, "His, his foolishness is wiser than our greatest wisdom. Speaking of God. Moreover, Job continued his discourse and said, As God lives, who has taken away my justice and the Almighty who has made my soul bitter, as long as my breath is in me and the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness, nor my tongue utter deceit. Now, right there, he just took a stand, didn't he? He don't know who, he don't know exactly why all this is going on, but the reason that language is used there toward God is because He knows who's in charge. With my life, unless I do something stupid myself, and we've all done that, and I can just go to the mirror and. You remember what Floyd did in and Andy Griffith? Remember when he had a pen pal and he acted like he was a millionaire? And then she's going to come to town and see if he's a millionaire. <laughs> and Floyd walks over to the mirror and says, you wretch, you wretch, you've done this, right? We've all had those times, right? We've all been Floyd, right? You know you, you got in a mess because of what you've done, right? But one of the ways to keep you from being offended and me from being offended or discouraged or feeling sorry for ourselves is that to, to know and believe that God's in charge, and that's what Job is clung to. He knows. Who, so if things don't go, in my w- go my way, then it will keep me from being offended to know that God orders my steps. Right? He don't always open every door. You know why he don't always open every door? Because he knows what's on the other side. I'm glad God hasn't opened all the doors that I thought I wanted open. Right? Somebody on the other side with a sledgehammer. Right? So God, he, he does things that may, we may be disappointed for a moment. But that's where relationship kicks in. Because God's already been around the corner before we get there. He sees everything. He knows everything. And he knows me better than I know myself. And so I can stay above being offended and getting discouraged and feeling sorry for myself if I keep in front of me that God is in charge. And what the devil wants you and I to do is when something don't go our way, he wants us to get offended. He wants us to get discouraged. He wants us to feel sorry for ourselves and then he wants us to turn on God. And act like God's not given us what we deserve or what we've earned or what we you know, we all should have been destroyed. And God rescued us. And basically, that's how this whole mess got started with Adam and Eve. When the serpent came in and talked to Eve, basically, he says to her, and you're going to see that in this newsletter this month, some stuff about this, the newsletter's coming out. He says to her, he says, if you eat that, God knows you're going to be like him. You're going to know good. But that was Satan's desire and he was trying to live that. So whenever you're tempted to sin or go against God, that's Satan trying to live that out through you and I. He's a liar. He is a liar. He's the father of all lies. So basically how he tricked Eve was to basically say, "God's holding out on you, Eve. He's not letting you be all you can be." Right? How many times we hear that in our culture? Get out of my way. You are holding me down. I'm going to live my own truth. You ain't going to live your own truth. You're either going to live God's truth or you're going to live Satan's lie. That's the only two choices you have and I have. We're either going to live God's truth or we're going to live Satan's lie. And so he got got in on Eve, right? Eve fell in for the trip because she bought the lie that God was holding out on her. Now, what God was doing, he was offering protection for Adam and Eve. So if you think God's not letting something happen or he's holding out on you, he might be protecting you. That's how good parents do with their children. They may say no to something because they're protecting their children. Well, why is God's the greatest parent in the history of the universe? He's a far greater parent than any of you, you and I will ever be. So, if he says no, he may have a good reason for saying no. And because of his love. And, and uh, so, God, he's in charge. Job says, Hey, I'm not going to speak wickedness. I'm not going to do anything. Far be it from me, in verse 5, that I should say, You are right till I die, will not put away my integrity from me. So, he's telling these guys, Hey, I'm hanging on. My righteousness I hold fast. I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. My enemy, may my enemy be like the wicked and those who rise up rises up against me like the unrighteous. For what is the hope of the hypocrite? Though he may gain much if he takes away his life. If God takes away his life. If a man gains the whole world and loses his soul, what profit is that? And then he says... Will God hear his cry when trouble comes upon him? Will he delight himself in the Almighty? Will he always call on God? I will teach you about the hand of God. What is the Almighty? I will not conceal. Surely all of you have seen it. Why then do you behave with complete nonsense? This is the portion of the wicked man with God and the heritage of oppressors received from the Almighty. If his children are multiplied... It is for the sword, and his offspring shall not be satisfied with bread. Those who survive him shall be buried in death, and their widows shall not weep. Though he heaps up silver like dust, and piles up clothing like clay, he may pile it up, but the just will wear it. And that's a verse that you may hear me quote from time to time. The wicked lay it up, but the righteous are going to wind up with it. And the innocent will divide the silver... He builds his house like a moth, like a booth which a watchman makes. Let me, let me tell you how big God is. God can transfer wealth. He's done it all the time. He took the wealth of the Egyptians and gave it to the Israelites when they were on the way out of the town. They've just given it away. You may, as I've said to us many times, we own things horizontally. We do not own anything vertically. Right? Rob's got his shirt. Colin's got his. I got mine. Right? Horizontally. But everything I have has come from God. Paul said, which one of you have anything you didn't receive? None of us. So vertically, we don't own anything. Everything we have is borrowed. It's all come from God. You only own things this way. Horizontally. You own your property, you own your transportation, somebody else owns theirs. But when it comes to God, we don't own anything. So God could actually transfer the wealth of one nation to another. It's his. And he done that all through the scripture. He could even do that with a computer now. God could transfer the wealth of somebody to somebody else and they'd never know it. He could wipe it from their memory. That's how big God is. Because it's all his. Everything. And that will change your life if you come to a place and you realize that everything belongs to God. Changes your whole perspective. It's all God's. Everything is going to be His. Even Jesus talks about taking everything and laying it back down at the feet of the Father. He said, I'm going to teach you about the, the Lord. The innocent, well, he builds a house like a moth in verse 18, like a booth where the watchman makes and the, and the rich man will lie down but not be gathered up. He opens his eyes and he is no more. Terrors overtake him like a flood. A tempest steals him away in the night. The east wind carries him away and he is gone. It sweeps him out of his place. It hurls him against the uh, and does not spare. He flees desperately from its power. Men shall clap their hands at him and shall hiss at him out of his place. Now, there's a difference between you being blessed, right? There's a difference between... Getting caught up in the blesser and, or getting caught up in the blessing. We should stay focused on the blesser, which is God, and not get caught up in the blessing. And if you're blessed, whatever that means to you, right? You should have a lifestyle like Abraham. If you're a believer and you understand Everything you have has come from God's hand, right? And as we saw with Job, it can be gone in a second. Well, as Solomon said, stuff can just fly off and be gone. Then we need to live a lifestyle like Abraham. And it said this more than once. Abraham pitched his tent and built his altars. In other words, his physical livelihood was less important to him than his spiritual life. That's why he's the father of faith. He pitched his tent, which represented his worldly journey, but he built his altars, which represented his eternal spiritual journey. And we would all do well to take a lesson from that. Do not give more time, effort, and energy to things that are going to pass away and give more time, effort, and energy to things that are going to be eternal. I used to have an old timer who... Before he went on to be the Lord, he shared this with me. He said he owned several businesses in the area. And when I'd go in, he's a good Christian man. When I'd go in to see him, he'd say, I'd say, what are you doing? He'd say, I'm just pastoring this hardware store. And what he believed that he was a steward over everything God gave him. He saw himself more as a steward than an owner. And he felt responsible for God's stuff. That's how he lived his life. And he would always say this to me. He would say, we shouldn't worry about anything that ain't going to matter a hundred years from now. What's going to matter a hundred years from now? Salvation. Salvation. He saw himself as a steward. And I can tell you this now because he 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 was just this kind of man he's gone on to be the lord some men's testimonies follow him right he gave basilea ministries the money to buy the land in nigeria to put the first church over there that's what he looked for he looked for opportunities and he he bought the land in nigeria over there for us to put our first church and our first school over there And now he's got his reward. He's over there. But he felt like he was a steward of it. And and that's how we should approach it. Because really, if you come back to who owns everything, then you really are a steward. Right? If you work for someone else, you have a responsibility for them and for their stuff. Right? To take care of it. That's how we should view our lives. That we, we are stewards over the things God gave us. And we can't get caught up in the blessings. We got to stay focused on the blesser. That's how we're to live our lives. So Job is, is saying, hey, I'm sticking with the Lord. The rich man, in chapter 28 says, surely there, uh, there is mine, uh, a mine for silver. They knew all about that stuff. A place where gold is refined. They knew all about that stuff. Iron is taken from the earth and copper is melted from one. Man puts an end to darkness and searches every access for ore in the darkness and the shadow of death. They had deep mines back then. He breaks up a shaft away from people. In places forgotten by feet, they hang far away from men. They swing to and fro and as for the earth, uh, from it comes bread. But underneath it is turned up as by fire. Its stones are the source of sapphires and it contains gold dust. These people weren't dummies. They they knew the path. The path no bird knows, nor uh, the falcon's eye seen it. The proud lions have not trodden it, nor has the fierce lion passed over it. He puts his hand on the flint. He overturns the mountains at the roots. He cuts out channels in the rocks. That's what happened out in uh, out in uh, the Grand Canyon. I told you that story a couple of years ago. We were out there. We stopped to listen to one of the guys to see what kind of lies they were going to tell. <laughs> uh, but they finally, they're coming around. Remember, I, I shared with you that particular guide said, uh, we now know all this was underwater at one time. <laughs> I thought, well, you're way behind, but you're trying to catch up a little bit. And now they know how how quickly that eroded because they... They 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 watched a the canyon be formed after Mount St Helens within less than 24 hours. Let God be true and everybody else be a liar. Amen. So we know that God makes the channels. He's in charge of everything. He the runoff from the flood and how low the 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 uh, the altitude is. And so he's just continued to remind us who's in charge. He cuts the channels of the rocks and his eyes every precious thing. He dams up the streams from trickling. What is hidden he brings forth the light. But where can wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its value, nor is it found in the land of the living. And that's true. We don't value wisdom in this culture like we should we value other things we we act like this world is our home I'm not saying you and I do but we're just passing through here we're just passing through he says, the deep says, it is not mine. And the sea says, it is not mine. It is not, with, it is not with me. It cannot be purchased for gold, nor can silver be weighed for its price. It cannot be valued or the gold of Ophir is precious onyx or sapphire. Neither gold nor crystal can equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewelry of fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or quartz. Uh, wisdom, listen. How many dummies have we heard about? That win hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> we read articles about them, right? Out of lotteries and stuff. And in two years, they ain't got a dime. How many athletes have we heard about make millions and millions of dollars and retire, retire broke? Just because you've got a talent or you know something don't mean you have wisdom. And we should seek wisdom more than we seek all these jewels, right? And that, and that, that said that's said in plenty of places in the Bible. He says, "From whence does wisdom come?" And maybe back up. He says. Uh, no mention shall be made of corn quartz For the price of wisdom is, fo- is above rubies The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it Nor can it be valued in pure gold From where then does wisdom come And where is the place of understanding It is hidden from the eyes of all the living And concealed from the birds of the air Destruction and death Say we have heard a report about it with our ears God understands its ways He knows its place For he looks to the ends of the earth Sees under the whole heavens to establish a weight for the wind a portion for the waters by measure he made the law uh, for the rain he made a law for the rain he, uh, and a path for the thunderbolt look how much they understand and look who's getting all the credit God is they saw, uh, then he saw wisdom declared it prepared it indeed he searched it out and to man he said behold the fear of the Lord is, that is wisdom and to depart from evil is understanding oldest book in the Bible wrote that down before the book of Proverbs. Think about it. These guys knew who God was. I want to take you to Proverbs before we close tonight because I want to remind you this. And I want to challenge you. We have a new month starting this weekend. I want to challenge you to get in the Word. I want us to make October the Word month. All right? I want right? First thing I want you to do, I want you to keep doing your Bible study, whatever you do, but I want you to read a Proverb... Every day next month. I want not you start with one on day one and read all 31 of them next month. And see how that ministers to you. It's a good practice to do that. Um, let's look at uh, Proverbs chapter 1 tonight. I'll give you a head start here. He says, uh, The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. That's what it's for, right? A wise man will hear and increase learning. A dummy will watch TV all the time. It didn't say that, I put that in there. Uh, that's a different translation a wise man will hear an increased learning a man of understanding will attain wise counsel he'll listen he'll listen to understand a proverb and an enigma the words of the wise and their riddles the fear of the Lord is what Job said the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge the fools despise wisdom and instruction my son hear the instruction of your father And do not forsake the law of your mother. For they will be graceful. They will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait to shed blood. Let us lurk secretly for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive as Sheol or the grave and whole like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all kinds of precious possessions. We shall fill our houses with spoil. I know all of us are appalled by some of the senseless killings that go on in this country for nothing. It's because somebody's standing on the side of the road or because somebody else wanted their tennis shoes or somebody cut line senseless they're trying to tempt they're saying cast in your lot among us let us have one purse my son do not walk in the way with them keep your foot from their path don't even go over there don't even go over there for their feet run to evil and they make haste to shed blood surely in vain The net is spread in the sight of any bird, but they lie in wait for their own blood. They lurk secretly for their own lives. So are the ways of everyone who is greedy for gain. It takes away the life of its owners. And we see that, don't we? We see that. The enticement for a lot of the drug culture is... Greedy gain. The love of money, the Bible says, is the root of all evil. So, stealing, drugs, prostitution, sexual immorality, bad stealing from business deals, whatever, all that stuff has the root in it, the love of money. And he says, wisdom he said you're going to be getting these calls he's telling his son here he says you're going to be getting these calls from the other side they're going to say hey come get with us right but then he's going to give them another call he says wisdom calls aloud outside she raises her voice in the open squares She cries out in the chief concourses at the openings of the gates in the city. She speaks her words. And here's what she says. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? For scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. Turn at my rebuke. Surely I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. Because I have called and you refused, I have stretched out my hand and no one regarded. Have you ever thought that about yourself? It's like, wow, I could have had a V8. <laughs> have you ever thought, man, I wish I'd have paid attention. I wish I would have listened. My parents really didn't know what they were talking about. I've stretched out my hand, no one regarded, because you disdained all my counsel and would have none of my rebuke. I I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror comes. When your terror comes like a storm and your destruction comes like a whirlwind. When distress and anguish come upon you. Then they will call on me, but I will not answer. They will seek me diligently, but they will not find me. Because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Wisdom starts with the fear of the Lord. Fear is, and I shared this with you a few weeks ago, Fear is not being afraid to go be with your father. Fear, in the context of the Greek language, what I was sharing with you in the Hebrew, is you understand your position versus his. That's the fear of the Lord. That's why Job conducts himself, said, I'm I'm not backing off from doing what's right. Because I know who's in charge. That's what fear really is. I'm not afraid to hang out with my father, my earthly father or my heavenly father. But I understand who's in charge and I know it's not me. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Do you want to know why I obey him? Because I know that brings the fruit from that relationship. That's what brings that fruit into my life I fear the Lord so I obey his teachings and his ways because that's where my security's at I'm going to say this and I don't hit on this stuff much but I'm going to say it loud and clear my financial security is not wrapped up in my bank account it's in my tithing That's what makes me financial secure because God's economy will never fail. This one fell in 1929 and if we don't get these $33 trillion under control, it's going to fail again. But guess guess whose economy never fails? The Lord. They're not up there saying, boy, it's getting tough up here. Go get that gold off the streets. We're going to have to pull it up and spend it. (laughs) They don't do that in heaven. They're not stripping the streets from the gold because they're running out of resources in heaven. The streets are still paved with gold. So that's, your security is not in the natural things because natural things can come and go, right? Your security is in your spiritual life, the fear of walk and walking with the Lord and His obedience. He says, he says, because they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they would have none of my counsel, despise my every rebuke. Therefore, they shall eat the fruit of their own way and be filled with the fruit of their own fancies. For the turning away of the simple will slay them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me... Now, we know one of the spirits of God is caused wisdom, right? One of the seven spirits of God before his throne. So we're listening to God, right? He says, but whoever listens to me will dwell safely and will be secure without fear of evil. So you don't have to worry about what happens. Though the earth be moved, he said, I will not fear. So if you're obeying the Lord, walking in all the light you've been given, you don't have to fear anything. Fear the Lord, don't fear nothing else. You don't fear the Lord, you'll probably be afraid of everything else. Worried about what's going to happen out in the world. Worried about what Russia's doing. Worried about what the economy's doing. Worried about what the doctor's going to say. You're going to worry about everything. But if you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear any of those things because he's in charge. Now, this counsel, this wisdom was rejected. And those who will not embrace it, they're going to eat the fruit of their own way. And I'll give you an example of that and then I'll close. Remember Esau and Jacob? Esau come in from hunting. And Jacob was there to catch him. And Esau, he wasn't, he wasn't about to die, but I think that's the what language he used. He said, uh, Jacob said, give me, uh, Esau been out hunting all day. And, and Jacob said, Esau said, I need something to eat. and I'm going to put this in my own words, but you know the story, right? Jacob said, I got some pintos and uh, cornbread and onions. I just lost everybody. Everybody got hungry, didn't they? <laughs> So we got all that back here. I got lentils, whatever, back here. And he said, but if you want this food, you're going to have to give me a birthright. Oh, that's expensive dinner. You thought you paid a lot for that last steak. He, he, he paid his whole inheritance for a bowl of beans. How dumb is that? But he said, I'm about to die, so what good's this birthright to me? See, that's how people are living their lives. I feel the Holy Spirit here. They're so caught up in the natural, they think their spiritual life is worthless. Don't really mean, don't mean anything right now. I need this money right now. I need this friend. I need this to have. Uh, I don't mean anything right now. That's way, away from me. And then you get on the New Testament, and the Bible says he despised his birthright. It didn't mean he hated it. It meant he had no regard for spiritual things. All he cared about was the moment. And wisdom was right there saying, Hey, buddy, you can get a Big Mac for 56 cents. (laughs) Wisdom can really be that simple, right? You can get, how many remember... uh, Scotties, it was the forerunner to Crystal's and, and White Castle. Scotty's was the old time White Castle. You can get a Scotty's, well, when I was young, you could get a Scotty's for 10 cents. Well, when Jacob's running around, you'd probably get it for a penny. <laughs> Half a cent. One mite. <laughs> and wisdom was saying, don't do this. Don't sell your birthright right here. This is crazy, right? But he was caught up in the moment. Sold his birthright. Then the Bible says he tried to get it back. Remember? He went into his dad and said, hey, dad. And his dad said, I've already given it to you, brother. Said he sought it carefully with tears, but he couldn't get it back. Now, we know Jacob and Esau reconciled. And I believe Esau will be on the other side when we get there. His, he got, but he lost something very precious and very costly for him. Because he got caught up in the moment, just like Eve did. And said, I'd rather have that right now than to see what's coming. And that's how sin works. But wisdom will be right there, won't it? Wisdom will say, don't do it. Don't do it. I got to tell you the last story because this one's on me. And and some of you have heard this, but my mother... I wanted to go to the carnival so bad, and I had $10. My mother said, you know, you don't really need to go in there and play those games. You, you got other stuff you need to spend $10. I wouldn't have it. So she decided she's going to teach me a lesson, or let me teach my own self a lesson. <clears throat> so I went in there. I wasn't gone 15 minutes. I already spent the 10 bucks. Come out with one little thing. And it's, it's not as big as a softball. And it was a head with a big red nose on it. <laughs> but, and, it and they called it, you, this is so fitting for me that day, it was called a knothead. <laughs> you couldn't make this up, right? And my mom smiled when I sat back down in the car with a head. Because guess who was, it's like the uh, Balaam and the donkey who's the real dumb donkey Balaam was not the donkey who was the real knothead not that little fuzzy knothead I had in my hands I was the real knothead right wisdom was crying out saying don't do it don't do it and there I stood with a knothead the knothead so wisdom will be crying out for all of us that won't be a question the question will be is whether we'll listen that's the question Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power in our lives. We're so excited about what you're doing. We've been so privileged here, Lord, to see all you've done in these first seven years of this ministry, and especially the last three. And we just give you praise, and we don't want to neglect to give you thanks for all you've done. And we, we give you honor and praise for that. And we bless your name. Everybody say it.